International Orienteering Podcast Mapping Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition like International Orienteering Podcast International Orienteering Podcast is here again and uh, it's so exciting to see that uh, the big stars in orienteering have uh, started to we're a number beeps uh, down in Spain and Portugal, so uh, I think we have uh, a lot to talk about uh, this episode, uh, Ivo. Yeah, I mean, there has been uh, world-ranking events in Portugal and uh, also events, not world-ranking events, but uh, events with very big, uh, yeah, big competition, high-level start field in Spain. So a lot of things to talk about this week. Yeah, I think uh, it will be difficult to tell. Um, uh, where, uh, yeah, maybe best, uh, most famous name and best start field uh, in the Spain uh, races, or what do you say? Yeah, I think uh, if you're looking at the number of world champs medals, European champs medals the last few years, uh, the level in Spain was probably a bit higher. Uh, but we can start with the, with the races in Portugal. Uh, so we can start with the Norte Alentejano U meeting. Yeah, they had uh, one middle uh, and a sprint uh, at uh, Saturday and then a middle uh, also on Sunday. Isn't that right? Yep. Uh, and looking at the terrains, uh, the maps, they looked uh, quite fast. The terrain is fast terrain with uh, quite technical orienteering. Uh, but I wonder if it might have been easier in real life than it looked on the map. Uh, because uh, I was surprised at how close it was uh, in the in the races over there. Yeah, we haven't uh, been in the terrain as we have in uh, in uh, Spain. So uh, we have just to uh, uh, watch the maps and the results and yeah, do some evaluations. But uh, in the women's class, it was uh, Ida Erbo who was fastest in the middle distance. Uh, uh, she uh, is uh, a quite young runner and haven't uh, showed so much in the senior class earlier. But uh, this uh, was a quite, uh, uh, it was a big victory here. Yeah, I just said that it was surprisingly close, but that was in the other races. In this, uh, in the first race, the world ranking middle distance, uh, Ida won with almost three minutes ahead of the Ukrainian Feyat Vilska. So that was a big, big winning margin on what's, uh, what's a, what was a short, short middle distance. It was winning time less than 30 minutes. Uh, so winning with three minutes, that's uh, really impressive. And, uh, but... Uh... There are also a sprint uh, later in the evening, and maybe someone has uh, prioritized that. Uh, I, I don't know. So, such things is uh, difficult to tell. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's not that many hours between the middle and the sprint, so maybe some runners took it a bit easier uh, in one of the races. But uh, I would guess that uh, as it was world-ranking event in the middle distance, that most people would prioritize that, that event. Yeah, and uh, it seems like... Uh, Lucas Passer did in the men's class. He was uh, winning there. Uh, uh, not so big margin, as you said. What if no, you... it was much closer in the men's class, but he still won with the, almost a minute ahead of the, the ex-junior. Uh, I was almost, I was close to say that he's still a junior, but he's not junior anymore now. Cornelius Christoph Löfald, the Norwegian runners that have changed club to Ukoline. He was uh, in second place, and then Philip Grant from Södertälje was third, also less than a minute behind. So very, very close uh, in the men's class compared to with the women's class. Yeah, there was uh, four uh, guys uh, within a minute there, and uh, yeah, I, I will, uh, I will, uh, I will say it was uh, quite good uh, performance of uh, the mentioned uh, Norwegian there uh, because uh, it was. Uh, uh, quite uh, quite famous names uh, behind him in the start list there. No results yeah, as, list, of course. Yeah, as we talked about last week, uh, Uko Linné was uh, going to Portugal with uh, with almost the entire Tiumila team and some other good runners and some new runners this year. So uh, there there was a strong start field. Uh, so a second place, just quite close to Luca Basset. That's a, that's a great, great start of his uh, elite career. It's important to uh, to get, uh, have a good position uh, before the uh, uh, selections for the big relays, and uh, it's never bad to do a good race. And it's uh, more good uh, uh, more, more often you perform good. So yeah, 
Yeah, so then uh, later in the afternoon, it was time for a sprint. Uh, I think uh, neither of us are great uh, uh, experts of the sprint orienteering discipline, but uh, f- looking at the map from the computer, it looked like the course was not very difficult. Uh, it was, yeah, quite often big route choices left or right and not too big difference. Uh, so not a lot of intense orienteering or very tricky route choices. So also in the men's class, it was really close here, but in the women's class, it was quite spread out. Yeah, in the women's class, uh, to uh, always start with them, uh, Pia Youngvik, uh, th- then uh, she is a junior still. Uh, one uh, ahead of Olena Babic. And yeah, so second, second, uh, second podium place for Ukraine uh, on that day. So that was good for them. So and uh, Öbo, who won the middle, she was here number three, uh, almost a minute behind. Uh, it was a clear victory for Young Victor. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, in the men's class, it was really tight and uh, five uh, guys within 20 seconds. Yeah, uh, so the young Austrian runner, Janis Bonek, he won ahead of the young Norwegian runner, Oskar Spetsbjørnhov, and then with the young Swiss runner, Reto Ecke, uh, on third place. And there we had like the Norwegian world champs runner Lukas Lilan. He was in fourth place and Milos Nikodim was in fifth place. So even if the names on the podium are not, yeah, it's not names you see in the top of the result list at World Cup or World Championship, but they, they beat the very good runners. And uh, there was a, a very good runner who won the middle distance in the women's class uh, the, on Sunday, Johanna Riedefeldt. So, yeah, so... On Saturday, she was not running. She did not start. So I'm not sure if she maybe had some health issues or something because uh, uh, it's uh, it's not a good sign to be in, uh, in a different country and then you don't start. Uh, so something was wrong with her on Saturday, but she was back on Sunday and she won. She won the middle distance just ahead of Pia Youngvik and then there was a big gap down to Vilma Blenov, also from Ukolene in third place. And uh, in the men's class, it was... Uh... The same as uh, usual, uh, it was a new victory for Lucas Passé in this middle also. Yeah, but this time it was even closer. So he won with only seven seconds ahead of uh, the Finnish runner Axeli Ruhula. And then the European champion Albin Riedefeldt, he was third, a bit over a minute behind. So great start of the season for Lucas Passé with two victories here. Uh, I think... Uh, I think he is going professional this year, so no work, just focusing on orienteering uh, to hopefully take the step up and maybe he can even win the middle distance at World Championship uh, in July. That's not impossible. Yeah, we know that he has uh, medals both uh, from uh, World Champs and European Champs in uh, in the middle distance uh, from uh, uh, Scotland and uh, Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, starting to be a couple of years ago now, but uh, uh, definitely he has the potential. And if uh, he's doing a really good uh, job, as it seems. So, yeah, it's exciting to see his show. Yeah, and we, early. We, we know that he, he is a very, very strong technical runner. Um, I think the intense orienteering that it will be in, at the middle distance in Switzerland will suit him very much. And we know that... Uh, it's not far from where the World Championship will be this year, uh, where it was back in 2003, where Thierry Schiffer won his first uh, walk middle. So maybe Luca can do like his big idol Thierry and also win in, Sp- in Switzerland. But uh, I maybe probably mentioned before, but uh, Luca Basset was the first uh, junior world champion from France. Uh, Thierry never was a junior world champion. So uh, that's yeah, he got a one up there. What? Yeah, he got one up on theory there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, we can uh, uh, walk uh, to Spain and uh, look who's uh, get one up or two or three there. It was uh, quite difficult as far as I could see. You are down there and can tell uh, a bit more about that. Yeah, so first there was a sprint race in the city of Burgo Hondo. Uh, it was a night sprint, so it was a bit different. Uh, it's a bit different than a normal sprint. And I'm not sure how that affected the results, but uh, we had clear winners in both in the men and women class here uh, by very, very strong runners, also beating very strong runners. So the probability is that we are talking about races with really, really good level here. 
Yeah, it looks like that when uh, we see uh, Sarah Hogsom is winning uh, uh, more than half a minute uh, ahead of uh, Megan Carter Davis. And, uh, yeah, yeah. With, yeah, and Simon Abersold in third is more than a minute behind. Uh, so even if the sprint was ah, quite long, the winning time was 14 and a half minutes. So, uh, but those gaps are, are quite big for such a, yeah, such a short sprint in a very intense and tricky tricky city. So I think Sarah Hagstrom had a really, really good race. It seems from the splits that she was, yeah, she was just the fastest runner and she didn't make any yeah, significant mistakes. Uh, so a very good start of the season for her. Yeah, in the women's class, uh, we saw that the uh, world champion from uh, last summer, she was number two, but in the men's class, uh, the world champion was uh, the champion also in this sprint. Yeah, so in the men's class, Kasper Fosser, he won half a minute ahead of Matthias Gilbuts with uh, the Italian runner Ricardo Scalet, 35 seconds behind. So once again, big winning margin, but then it was a bit closer behind from the second place and down. And uh, there were also big margins when we come to the long distance on Saturday. Yeah, the long distance, that was a really, really rough race. Uh, the course was uh, only 14 kilometers and, you know, the terrain here in Spain, it looks quite fast, uh, but then there are a lot of green areas with like these green stripes or green areas, uh, a lot of controls in tricky, rocky areas. So, yeah, it was a, it was a long day for, for a lot of runners here and also big, big margins between the, the top runners. Uh, as we also know, uh, there is uh, not the best... Uh... Weather down in Spain is a bit uh, cold. Uh, uh, when you do some uh, mistakes, can there be a lack of motivation for uh, some runners who lay down their race if they are doing some mistakes? Could that be? Uh, uh... I mean, there is always a risk for that in these races. That you know, they they really don't mean anything. It's a, basically it's just a good training session. And we saw that in the men's class, some of the top names like Casper Fosser and Matthias Kubots, they made. Uh, they made mistakes early on in the race and yeah maybe their motivation wasn't that high for the rest of the course uh, but uh, yeah both of them were fighting pretty hard at least to the finish it looked like so uh, I think the we, what we will see is that the best runners in this race had really really good races it's high level performance and I mean you can't even if you're maybe the best in the world you can't afford to have a bad race and still be competitive no, uh, orienteering is a high-level sport, as we know, and highest level in the women's class uh, this uh, Saturday was uh, Sarah Hagström. Uh, again, uh, she was winning with a clear margin. Yes, it was two and a half minutes down to Simone Ebersold, and then almost five minutes down to Sanna Fast. Uh, I think, uh, looking at the splits and the GPS, it seemed like Sanna Fast was the runner with the highest speed. Uh, but she was making yeah, too many mistakes uh, and she could not, therefore not compete with Sarah in the end. But, uh, but uh, Sarah Hogsom winning with uh, more than two minutes to Eversolt, uh, that's uh, quite solid, uh, I must say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and even if I said that uh, Sanna Fast made some big, big mistakes, uh, both Simona and Sarah had significant mistakes as well. Uh, if maybe a few minutes they could have been a few minutes faster so it's a, it's a good race from Sarah Hagström but it's uh, it's not a performance that would win her a World Cup race I think uh, Sarah Hagström uh, she has been running uh, both the World Cup and uh, also a championship uh, for Sweden but the winner in the men's class he has uh, uh, not run champs uh, but uh, some World Cup races uh, as Simon Imark under his belt. Yeah, not any world champs yet, but he was running European champs in Estonia last summer. And I would say that uh, I would be, I would not be surprised if he gets to do his world championship debut this year. Uh, it was a great race for him. He won with uh, three minutes ahead of Mathieu Perrin. And then Elias Kuka was three minutes behind as well, and he was in third. Yeah, as you see here, he's beating really strong runners with uh, three minutes. Uh, that's uh, yeah, that uh, sounds uh, really good uh, to have in the in the training diary, even if it's uh, February. Yeah, and uh, I mean his race was not perfect, but it was really really good. No 
big mistakes, some small time losses here and there, some hesitation. Uh, but I mean, it was a very tricky course to run a clean race. Uh, there were areas where the terrain is quite, uh, how should I put it delicately, it's quite shit, uh, where it's hard to keep your direction and into these green areas. And then you have a lot of rocks and cliffs and you have to find the control. So it's a race, it's a course where it's really hard to do a clean race. And I think his performance uh, was very, very good. Yeah, and uh, as you mentioned, uh, you have to navigate uh, between uh, yeah, some uh, bushes and so on. Uh, it's not like uh, home in Stockholm when where he's uh, grown up, where you can go uh, on the direction and yeah, use the compass uh, for uh, orienteering and uh, run quite a lot straight. So yeah, it's uh, impressive from him here. Yeah, and as I mentioned before, uh, both Kasper Fosse and Matthias Kibbutz, they had pretty bad races and made quite big mistakes early on uh, and were never really in the fight but looking at the splits it seems like uh, uh, their speed was not uh, was not good enough to be fighting with the emax time anyway so i think this is a really really good sign for simon emax uh, when we're talking about what to come in the upcoming months yeah and uh, you mentioned sonafast was uh, running fast and uh... Uh, Saturday's competitions and uh, in the Sunday's competition, the orienteering also was uh, uh, better. And then she made it to the top of uh, the podium, shared with uh, Megan Carter Davis, actually. Yeah, or like the, the middle distance, it was a chasing start. Uh, so Sanna Fast and Megan Carter Davis, they had the fastest time. Uh, and Sarah Hagsen was the third fastest, a bit less than a minute behind. Uh, but of course, in the overall, Sarah Hagsem was uh, running with quite clear control uh, and she won the race three and a half minutes ahead of Simone Ebersholt and then Sanna Fast kept her third position uh, and finishing third overall with uh, about six minutes stone on Sarah Hagsem. And then in fourth place, we had uh, the Polish runner Hanna Wisniewska and fifth place, the young Ida Hampa from Finland and then Cecil Kalandri from France was sixth. And, but the last the three I mentioned, they were quite far behind, like 12 to 15 minutes behind in the overall. So it was a really, really big difference between the three E4 Jet Boy runners and the rest of the field here. Yeah, and uh, in the men's cross on Sunday, uh, the fastest time was uh, and then uh, uh, the world champion in knockout sprint, uh, Matthias Kubots. And he is definitely back again. We see this weekend. Yeah, so both uh, Matthias Kiburz and Kasper Fosse had a bad uh, long distance, but they both strike back in the in the chasing stock where they have the fastest time and the second fastest time. Uh, so, yeah, it was half a minute between them in the chasing stock, and then Fabian Ebersholt had the third fastest time, uh, about a minute behind Kiburz. Uh, they were running together for like half the course, uh, so maybe he had some benefit from running with the reigning middle distance world champion. Uh, was it uh, in the Turing camp where you are staying? And did you have to talk hard to Kibbutz uh, the Saturday evening so she so he had, could perform better on Sunday? No, no, no. We are always in good mood, so it wasn't that. Uh, yeah, I mean the the long distance was not a great race for him, but that happens even for the best. So, uh, and we, it's still in the middle of. February, so there's plenty of time uh, to work on the long distance form until the World Championship. So he's not worried, and we are not worried either. Um, uh, we can now uh, take the overall also on the men's cluster. Uh... Yeah. So after the victory on the on the long distance, Simon Imak had a big lead, and he was just cruising around, no problem, and he kept uh, the overall lead and won four minutes ahead of Mathieu Perrin from France. And then Matthias Kibus ran himself up from seventh or eighth position and up to third uh, with Fabian Ebersholt in fourth. And then the Polish runner Michel Olenik in fifth and the the young French Quentin Moulet uh, in, in sixth place. And I think uh, we are always, we're always in these kind of races. You are interested in, in the level. Uh, how good was the performance? And if we start with the women's class here, it was like a divided uh, victory. If you're looking at the f- time leg times of the last day uh, between Sanna Fast and Megan Carter Davis, uh, but looking at the splits, it seems like uh, all the fastest girls, Sanna Fast, Megan Carter Davis, Sarah Hagström, and Simone Ebersholt made 
mistakes of between two and a half minutes to three minutes. Uh, and in a middle distance, that is too much uh, because the, this this terrain was much more open and runnability was better. Uh, it was easier to read the map than it was in the long distance. So I think the girls uh, were not really performing at the top, top uh, World Cup level in this race. Uh, uh, but uh, in the men's class, was it uh, uh, a better race uh, from... Uh... Kibbutz and Fossilde, uh, would you say? Yes, uh, I think Matthias, for example, he had a one mistake where he lost almost one minute, but the rest of the race seemed to be pretty clean. Uh, and Kasper Fosse is, yeah, not really any big mistakes, but you know, some seconds here, some seconds there. Uh, so I think the, yeah, I think the level of the Matthias Kibbutz race in here was quite quite high uh, and comparable to what Emark did in the long distance the day before at least uh, but uh, e- even though uh, I-, I think uh, when you have uh, such uh, many good runners the- there will always be some who performs good uh, I think uh, and maybe not this Sunday in the women's class but in the men's class yeah but also in the women's class you know the names in the top they are they are often in the top six of the World Cup races and I mean when they are making mistakes maybe the other girls would make mistakes there is never a guarantee that if there was all the best in the world someone would have a clean race uh, so yeah but I mean I think these girls they, they can it, it's not the best race they will do this year uh, speaking talking about that uh, I need to have a bit of a talk with uh, Sarah Hagsom who won uh, yeah two victories uh, and uh, the overall in the women's class to hear what uh, she expects uh, from uh, this season and what her plans are when it's uh, both uh, In Eva National Orienteering Podcast, uh, we are so lucky that we have uh, reached uh, Sarah Hagström uh, down in Spain. Uh, how are you down there, uh, Sarah? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, a bit cold weather, but uh, otherwise it's it's nice. Yeah, but uh, I've uh, looked at the results and your performances uh, this weekend, so, so that uh, must have given you a good uh, must be warming to see uh, a victory in sprint and uh, long and then uh, also you won the overall in Maximus U meeting. How was that? Yeah, yeah, it, it was a really nice uh, boost uh, with these competitions, even though I, I know a lot of people are not uh, fit for fight already in February. So, But it, it's a really nice... Uh occasion to to practice on your competition skills and uh, also it's really nice uh, you get really nice sessions when you get the number bib on and sir and and everything with the competition it was uh, yeah it was a really good uh, good uh, weekend uh, for the whole club yeah it was quite a lot of uh, famous names there uh, on the starting line uh, uh, the region uh... World champion and sprint orienteering. You beat uh, Megan Carter with a half a minute in a sprint. Uh, that must have been uh, a quite good performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a cool feeling to to be in front of her. But uh, yeah, I know everyone is in different training periods now. But uh, yeah, still, it's it's nice to uh, to have a good result. Yeah, does uh, that give you a good uh, self confidence uh, uh, for uh, the? The continuing of the winter training, I assume you will yeah. stay in Spain for uh, at least one week now. Yes, yes, it uh, feels like these results uh, says that I have I'm I'm in the right way with the winter training, and uh, yeah, now we're staying here for uh, one more week uh, with the club. It's it's really nice, organized by by the runners, and we we're having really good atmosphere here in the IFK camp. So yeah, I'm happy to have uh, several sessions left here. Uh, yes, you are a, a part of a really strong uh, club in IFK and, and also a really good national team, uh, the Swedish team. Uh, how is it to combine the, the team uh, ambitious with IFK uh, and the relays there? And uh, yeah, you're uh, own ambitious in the world champs. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really nice to be in be part of uh, two such good environments. Uh, but of course, it has its cons too. Uh, 
everyone in EFK, or not everyone, but uh, a lot of people having also their own careers, like for aiming for walk in different national teams. So it's uh, maybe it's a bit less uh, relay focus uh, closer to walk. But uh, yeah, I think we have talked a lot about it, uh, especially in the girls group. Uh, and I think we have a uh, big respect for each other and uh, our own focus, but also that we are trying to uh, aim for the top places in, in Team Mila and Van Lai. And I, 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 have, I have a feeling that it has been uh, a, a bit easier to combine <laughs> um, in, in the previous years uh, now. But, uh, but now this, uh, this year it's Wokke Forest, so I guess uh, this will suit a bit better uh, than Wok Sprint. Uh, so I hope for uh, yeah that we can combine the two focus areas uh, good this year too. Yeah, you you won uh, Yukola with the IFK last year, but uh, uh, in in front of team, you, know, you twisted ankle uh, a couple of days before. Uh, would was that uh, decisive for you not winning uh, team also? Uh, I wouldn't say it was the decisive. Uh, I I twisted my my ankle, but I also had problems with. Uh, with my, um, how do you say, the, the, the tendon under the foot uh, before. So I was maybe not in the best shape. So I I said that I, I would like to run a shorter leg because of the foot uh, also. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe if we have if we had uh, a team without injuries or, uh, or sickness, uh, then we would have maybe placed in a better position. But I, I mean, every team can say it like that way. And I, I really hope for this year that we all will stay injury free and uh, and uh, be fit for fight for Team Mila. Yeah. And then you will go for uh, a double with both Yukla uh, or Vanla and Team Mila. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a dream. <laughs> and also with the guys on the, on the podium, uh, that would be really nice to... to uh, yeah, share that uh, good uh, good result with them. It's been uh, there. They have been uh, better than us, uh, like yeah, from 15 to maybe 19. But it feels like we have caught them a bit. But uh, yeah, we still have to. Uh, it would be really nice to win at the same time. Uh, that would be a dream. <laughs> yeah, you have also succeeded uh, quite quite good uh, nas- uh, internationally uh, with Sweden in relays and. Uh, a uh, couple of medals uh, uh, from uh, world champs, uh, but uh, so far uh, no individual medal. Is that uh, the dream or goal uh, this season? Yeah, yeah, I, I have really hoped for that individual medal, and I've been really close many times. But that's how it is in orienteering. You always uh, mistake away from a medal, <laughs> or not always, but uh, it's really easy to find uh, those minutes that are are lacking to get a medal or so. But uh, yeah, it, I would be really happy to have a medal. But this year, I feel like. I really want to enjoy the competition and try to see my own development, uh, and then we will see if the result comes. It's, it's a boring answer, but uh, I think that's my focus, and I, I really look forward to the competitions now. It's it seems like it's uh, in in nice areas with the good organizations, and yeah, that's uh, that's the main focus for for this year. But of course, a medal is uh, yeah, that's that's a dream. <laughs> Last week uh, we got to know that you are pre-selected for the World Cup in Australia, uh, and then you have uh, some time to taper there uh, without stressing. Uh, how do you plan the season also with the uh, sprint uh, uh, Europeans in the autumn? Uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be pre-selected, and I can focus a bit more on uh, on the preparing for the World Cup and uh, also preparing for walk. Uh, so this year I've decided to. Uh, take a step out of my comfort zone in Gothenburg and and uh, run a bit more in in hills in Italy um, my uh, one of my weaknesses in orienteering is uh, uphill running so i hope to improve that uh, by spending some more time in italy and in march and forward towards walk so that's the plan and then of course it will be a bit sprint in uh, small italian towns so yeah i really look forward to that uh, preparations uh, do you do you see yourself uh, as uh, more as a forest runner or a sprinter? Where uh, is your biggest ambitions? If we uh, yeah, uh, no, it's, those? it's hard to say, but uh, yeah, as a Scandinavian, I think uh, forest uh, lies uh, closely to the heart. But uh, of course, it's hard to beat a, a real nice sprint in uh, in a European city. It's uh, yeah, but I will have to say forest. It's uh, I think I am I'm better in forest also.
So uh, I have also to say that I watched uh, the Swedish uh, telly, uh, uh, the Sportspegel, where they summarized mm-hmm. uh, uh, sports for the week or the weekend. And there you really talented the cross-country sister, uh, Johanna. She, uh, she said that this year uh, you will take an individual world champs medal. Uh, is she uh, telling the truth then or what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I hope she's uh, she's right. But uh, yeah, she will have to uh, take the first step and take the medal herself first, uh, and then I can come after. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see. She is having uh, world champs in two weeks, so it would be exciting to see her her competing there. But uh, yeah, I I think we follow each other quite much with the results. So uh, let's hope her that she takes a medal, and then then I will uh, follow up. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, individual medal for both of you will be a real uh, success for Holstrom sisters there. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, thank you for uh, being with us here today. So and then we will not uh, disturb your recovery at the training camp uh, anymore, and it will be exciting to see you uh, further on this season. Yeah, thank you. Thanks much. Bye bye. Bye. That was uh, Sara Hallström uh, talking about uh, doing some uphill training to be better uh, uh, prepared for uh, Swiss mountains uh, in the World Championship. Uh, uh, do you think uh, she will have a, a potential to take a World Championship medal uh, individually? Yeah, we, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago and back then I think I said that uh, it's possible of course, but the most likely result is a position among yeah, but top four, five, six, but just outside the the medals. Uh, but I'm yeah, I'm impressed by her level this weekend, and I mean it looks good. And we know that uh, if you are competitive, uh, it's not that much that has to happen before you can win a medal. So yeah, I would say a medal is definitely possible for her. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, quite uh, quite interesting. Uh, she has at least uh, detected detected her weaknesses, so uh, she's working hard on them, and uh, it will be interesting. Yeah, and before before the World Championship, there is a lot of other big events, like she talked about the the World Cup in Ostfold, the Tiumila and Jukola with the at the ball. So yeah, I mean, she has a lot of things to look forward to this season. Yeah, it will. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, when you're running for Ifko Göteborg and run, uh, running, uh, yeah, uh, some of the late legs in uh, the big relays, you also get uh, the feedbacks from running against uh, the other good uh, runners. Uh, but as we mentioned uh, when we talked to Sara, she is uh, pre-selected for the first round of the World Cup uh, this season. Uh, Sweden announced that uh, last week it was seven runners uh, in total who was uh, pre-selected. Yeah, so among the women, they pre-selected two Alexandersson, Sara Hagström and Lisa Risby. And among the men, it's Gustav Bergman, Martin Reborn, Albin Riedefeldt and Emil Svensk. And it's not really controversial. Uh, it makes perfect sense that the two of the... Martin Regborn and Albin Riedefeldt is uh, pre-selected as they are. They have a personal spot for the World Championship, so they know that they will run the World Championship, and therefore they should also run the World Cup. Uh, and the others, they have results both internationally and uh, internally in Sweden that uh, make it quite clear that they deserve to be running the World Cup uh, as long as they are fit and injury-free when the when the when the races come. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, yeah. The, the runners who are pre-selected they can uh, be uh, quite relaxed uh, about uh, yeah, the selection races uh, in the spring. But uh, even though I think uh, they would have uh, qualified uh, if they're not struggling with injuries. So yeah, it's uh, about, uh, it's up to the uh, different nations how they solve that and which philosophy they are in selections. I think. Yeah, and especially like if you look at the girls, uh, Sara and Lisa, uh, they are so good that they should be able to qualify without a problem. And the same with the boys. I think the only uh, <laughs> the only wild card would be like Emil Svensk. You know, sometimes he his orienteering is just way off, and then it could have been tricky to qualify if he has one of those bad weekends uh, at the selection race. But uh, 
his top level is so high, so it makes sense to make sense to give him the um, yeah the the trust that he's already pre-selected. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and then uh, they are um, uh, having a yeah as we see in the Swedish team is really strong yeah, and uh, there are also some uh, clubs who are. They're not selecting, but they're using fishing to get a stronger team uh, in, during silly season. We have some uh, news also there. Yeah, but uh, still uh, the, not really big news anymore. It's just some s- smaller fishes coming in here and there. So we have three names this week. Uh, so first we have the Czech runner Jakub Glonek. He has decided to run this run for Halden Ski Club. Uh, I don't think he's had a Scandinavian club before, uh, so he has no real experience from Team Milanjukola. Uh, he's mainly a sprinter. Uh, he had a top 10 result at the Home World Championship in Czech Republic back in 2021 uh, at the tricky sprint in the forecast there. He did really well. Um, I think his forest results are not really impressive so far. Uh, so I think if he's to be used in the first team at Tiumila, it's probably of one of the straight legs where he can follow other runners. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Holden has got uh, some some new names, and uh, it's also yeah, it can be interesting to see how far that can bring them uh, in uh, Tiumila and Jukola. and uh, maybe if uh, your brother Olav also is uh, running, it can be as exciting with uh, Holden there. Yeah, I mean, they have a good team. They have some old, established, uh, experienced runners. And then they have been filling the team with uh, a lot of younger runners the last few years. So um, they have good possibilities if they get all the best runners at the start line in good form. And then we also have uh, one other um, uh, big uh, name in Team Milan Jukola, who is uh, getting a new runner. Yeah, so Kalvan Rasti, uh, they have got the new runner from Latvia, Emil Sernis, uh, the younger brother of Rudolf Sernis, more more known Rudolf. Uh, he's already running for Kalvan a few years, and now his younger brother is uh, following his footsteps. Uh, it will surprise me if he is close to the Kalvan Rasti first team this year, uh, but he is young, and you know maybe ne- already next year he can take big steps and be challenging for a spot in the team. Yeah, it's uh, it's also good for him. Uh, yeah, to get a good uh, club environment uh, in training camps and so on in the preparations for the big relays. Yeah, and as we know, he's already been running a bit in the Latvian national team, and it's not that hard competition in the national team of Latvia anymore. So maybe he can also be a guy that can challenge for a spot in the world championship team, world championship team this year. So I think he's one of we will see more of in the future. Uh, so it will be interesting to see his development the coming years. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned that he is going from Ala and uh, yeah, or uh, everyone uh, uh, leaving Ala now. Or uh, how is it there? Yeah, the Swedish club Ala had uh, some glory days uh, seven, eight, nine years ago where they did some decent uh, results in Team Milanjukola, but. Uh, yeah, the last six, seven years, they've been just losing, losing runners without getting anyone new. So, uh, yeah, I mentioned Rudolf Sernis. He was the big star of Erla some years ago, and then he changed to Kalvan Rasti, and then they lost a few more runners of the Swedish runners. They've lost Robin Kontak, for example, um, and some of the other stable relay runners. And now they've also lost Anton Tinong, uh, the former junior star that won medals at the Nordic Championship back in 2009. Uh, so he has changed to Uko Denzel and he has announced that he has ambitions about taking a spot in the Denzel Tiumila team. Uh, Tinong, uh, in my world, he is uh, most uh, known as uh, having a home uh, page where he was writing about his uh, training and so on. It's a really uh, interesting uh, home page, I would say. Yeah, now we are jumping 10, no more than 10, 15 years back in time. And that was his prime time. Uh, So, yeah, back in those days, it was really fun to follow his training. Uh, The last 10 years, it's been less training and less orienteering races. uh, But uh, sometimes he shows up in decent form and can do some surprisingly okay results. So we will see what kind of uh, 
version of Anton Tinong that shows up for the spring relays this year. It was uh, quite tough uh, being, uh, is he born uh, 89 or 90? He's born 89, so he was one year older than the golden Swedish 90 generation. So, But back in 2009, he was running yeah, with Gustav Bergman, with Ole Boström, with uh, Albin Riedefeldt, with Jonas Landersson uh, in the Swedish junior national team. So just by mentioning those names, I guess the listeners, they realized that you had to be quite good to get a spot in the team. Yeah, I mean, uh, it can be uh, when you are a star and then uh, it comes... Uh... Like five or uh, more, uh, even bigger uh, junior stars, so just uh, younger and even younger than you. It's quite, uh, yeah. I I know that his his motivation was uh, from up to down, and uh, maybe it's uh, easy to get a bit down when uh, they are so good uh, coming up uh, after him there. Yep. So from uh, silly season, we should move over to we should leave the orienteering for a bit, shouldn't we? Yeah, it's interesting to see um, uh, when our interiors are uh, showing up in other scenes, like in uh, cross-country races or on uh, the track and field course. Uh, and uh, last uh, week we uh, talked about uh, good uh, 3,000 meter times. Uh, and uh, this time uh, we have uh, uh, have some more interiors who will uh, yeah take part in uh, world champs in cross-country uh, down in... Uh, is it uh, New Zealand or uh, Australia we are going? I think, it's, going... I think it's to Australia. We are going to Australia. And uh, two orienteers uh, who are going there is uh, Tim Robertson and Andre, Andre Blanes, your clubmate uh, from uh, Salatalia. Yeah, so Tim uh, is still a well-known orienteer. I mean, he won a medal at the World Championship back in 2021. Uh, he was at the World Cup podium a few times last season. Um, so he's one of the best sprinter in tiers in the world. Um, he did run an eight-minute 3K last weekend, so he's obviously in good form. And it will be interesting to see what he can do at the at the at the cross country world championship. Uh, I still think Andreo Blanes will be faster than him. Uh, Andreo is not doing that much orienteering anymore, focusing on yeah uh, cross country running, track running, and uh, trail running and he has already also done a 752 3000 meter before so i think he's a bit faster than tim and also yeah uh, so i guess it will be a close battle between them but uh, my money is on andrea blanas in the orienteering duel here yeah but uh, uh cross-country world championship it's a really high level so uh i don't think we will see them in the TV monitor if uh, we follow the leading guys? No, um, I've, I've not watched uh, a lot of these races, but uh, my memory is that there's a lot of Kenyan, Ethiopian and Ugandan runners in the front and then you wait a bit and then the Europeans come and the, and the Australians and New Zealands and Americans. Uh, but uh, we talked uh, last week about uh, Gustafsson, who had uh, just under eight minutes uh, this uh, weekend he uh, ran the Norden Kampen, uh, 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 like a national uh, battle between uh, Norway and Sweden in uh, Karlstad in 1500 meters. It was 347. So I don't think, yeah, if you compare it to t- 3000, it's not uh, not that good time. I think. No, but it's still a very fast time, and we know that. Uh, yeah, I mean, as an orienteer, you're probably better in 3000 and 5000 meter than you are in 1500 or these short events uh, so i'm not that surprised that uh, his performance is maybe on a slightly lower level at the 1500 but i mean 347 that's still fast time yeah yeah really really fast uh, of course of course uh, but um, back to our sport uh, there are exciting races also the upcoming weekend yeah, so the upcoming weekend, it's time for the traditional Portugal U meeting. Uh, every year, one of the best events the, you will see during the entire year. Uh, this time, it will take place around the small city or village of São Bartolomeu do Uteiro. It's in the southern part of Portugal, uh, a bit south of uh, the bigger city Évora, where there was POM four or five years ago. Um, so it will be yeah interesting races to follow. 
there's world ranking events, quite good start list. Uh, the program is, there's a middle and a long and a middle and then a long chasing start. Uh, plus a traditional night sprint, uh, which doesn't count in the overall. Uh, and uh, there are also uh, some good names uh, in the starting list. Yeah, so in the men elite, there is about 120 runners entered. And in the women's elite, there's about 70 runners. So as always at Portugal, we're meeting big fields with uh, high-level high uh, competitors. So if we start with the favorite in the women's class, I think it will be a Finnish battle here uh, where you have basically Van Lahariu versus the best girls from Kalvan Rasti. So Marika Teini, uh, the new runner Ida Hapala, Mia Nittinen, uh, the middle distance champion from Finland, Siris Ilvenoinen, and uh, the French runner Cecil Kalandri. So it will surprise me if there is uh, another winner than one of these names I just mentioned. Uh, it was a lot of Finnish uh, runners there, and uh, it's also in the men's class. Yeah, it seems like uh, while maybe some of the Swedish clubs, uh, Finnish clubs, Norwegian clubs are going to different uh, different training camps this year, um, to POM it's a lot of Finnish teams. So you have Kalavan Rasti, you have Ikalist Nova Sovema. Um, MS Parma and some other of the big clubs they're going to Portugal meeting so naturally you will see a lot of the favorites from, from these clubs so in the men's field I would say that uh, Mika Kirmula and the Czech runner Thomas Krivda, both of them from Kalvan Rasti are the two biggest favorites uh, you have Eto Savolainen uh, a runner that had a great long distance at European Champs finishing the top 10 there uh, you have the young Finn Axel Rula. Uh, you have a very, very interesting start from Isak von Kusenstjerna. Last season was kind of ruined for him. Uh, but then he had a strong, yeah, pretty strong autumn season. And now he should probably be back to his best. And if he's back to his best, he is also one of the big, big favorites for, for Pom. Yeah, it, uh, it will be really exciting to watch uh, this uh, this uh, Portugal Umi thing. And uh, as you mentioned, it's... Uh, High-level competitions with uh, high-level uh, runners, uh, and um, that will be next week. Do we have any hot and or not uh, for this? Yeah, week? I mean, I'm going to go on a little bit more about the Portugal meeting. So, uh, as always in these spring season races, it's very interesting to see how some of the younger runners can go. Uh, and one of the most interesting runners that is coming up to the elite level this year it's uh, the young Finn Tuko Seppa uh, he was running here in Maximus the long distance did a pretty solid race from a very very early start number and that's of course not a, a good start position to have in a bit rough green terrain uh, so it will be interesting to see what he can do in the in the much much faster terrain in Portugal uh, and he's uh, there with, with several other young runners from Turin Sonistaias' club uh, you have the Hungarian runners, uh, Jonas Ferenc, that won medals at J-Walk back in Turkey 2021, and the reigning middle-distance world champion, Sultan Boydoso, and also the young Russian runner, Daniel Pomin, that is really, really uh, an interesting runner for the future. Um, so a lot of young names to follow in Pom. Uh, and the most interesting thing about Pom is how fast will the, will the kilometer times be? Because... I think the terrain is super fast. Uh, when there was POM four or five years ago in Evora, that is really close, uh, Matthias Kubitz had about four minutes per kilometer in the long distance. Uh, and we see that from the course length, it's going to be super fast terrain here uh, as well. The middle distance races are almost eight kilometers for the men and the long distance races are over 18 kilometers. So hopefully we can see some insane fast racing here. Yeah, and uh, then uh, maybe uh, Mika Kirmula, he is a fast runner also, so he can show up some skills. But uh, I also like to see those uh, yeah, first-year senior runners or young runners uh, in, the, in the field with the big, uh, yeah, big names in the senior class. Yeah, and you know also Thomas Krivda, he's been in Africa training camps. I think he's been in both Uganda and Kenya, maybe even South Africa. He's been around for a long time. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he is really flying. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how fast they can go. 
and uh, and uh, then uh, that will be back on uh, next week, uh, and, and then we are uh, maybe looking for some hot or not. Uh. Yeah, but I can continue with. The, I can take a hot from Portugal Umi thing because this is really funny. So, do you know which class is the biggest at Portugal Umi thing with the most competitors? Uh, the man elite uh, always a big uh, class. Uh, so I will uh, yeah guess that one. Yes, but the men 65 is even bigger. And that's one of the greatest thing with Pom is that there is always so many runners in the in the in the older classes, you know, people I don't know, most of them are retired so they travel down to the Portugal uh, in the winter to have some orienteering like a lot of men 65, men 70, men 75 from the Nordic countries. So Portugal meeting is really really one of those races where you see that uh, where it's so clear that how orienteering is a sport for life. Uh, you have some of the best runners in the world next to a massive amount of uh, old uh, men and women uh, enjoying the sport. So that's one of the best parts with the race like POM. Uh, so that's my hot for this week. But uh, unfortunately, we have to disappoint uh, those retired guys that we will not uh, follow so closely the age <laughs> 65 class. We will... Uh, Mainly focus on the elite class. Of course. Yes, but I think that's it for this week. Yeah, uh, thank you a lot for listening. And uh, and then we'll be back. We will be back next week with uh, something from uh, Portugal meeting and something from uh, all around the orienteering world. Uh, until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Raul Ferra, head coach of Hardeneski Club, and I always listen to Ibar National Orienting Podcast to get the best overviews and analysis of the main events in the orienting season. Ibar National Orienting Podcast, mapping compass, navigation skill, orienting competition. Running like a motherfucker. Ibar National Orienting Podcast.